Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's 4-6A to, to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. Uh, the plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4-6 to six with A&B, your Ohio State podcast on the Athletic Bill Landis. Joined as always by Ari Wasserman coming off of what, to me, Ari, felt like the first real weekend of college football. Like we've been playing it for, I don't know, four weeks, three or four weeks now. But this past weekend when the SEC got rolling, it felt like real to me. It felt like it felt like a normal Saturday, or I guess as normal as it can feel when like the Pac-12 and the Big Ten still aren't playing. Did you just say the SEC is the best conference in college football? Is that what I heard? I mean, it it just means more. It does. Yeah, I felt that too. I uh, the one thing I will say is that like when we first were faced with the reality that there might not be fans in stadiums, um, that was kind of a weird thing to picture, especially. You know, going to a stadium every weekend for the past, you know, five, ten years, depending on who we're talking about, uh, fill with 100,000 fans for the most part. But I will say that the TV viewing experience has been awesome and feels normal even if the stadiums are empty. And then in some stadiums, there's just a ton of people. So um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm still kind of wrapping my mind around that a little bit. There were a few times where even in the Oklahoma game, there was a screen grab I saw where Spencer Rattler was walking – um, behind the bench without a mask on and there were a bunch of fans without wearing masks like leaning over trying to high five them and it's just like kind of surprising a little bit about like how close they're getting to people who are in the stadium but not to detract from the point I, I felt like I was watching football on an Ohio State bye week and like really enjoying it I, I thought it was an awesome slate of games um, crazy upsets which we'll get to and yeah it felt good to be back I, 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 I'm really happy we got here it was looking really bleak for a while. 
It was, it was, and it did. It felt, it felt good. I think to see some of those games, and, and hopefully, it can keep progressing this way. You know, there's going to be disruptions, but, but I think, you know, I, as as we get closer and closer to the start of the Big Ten season, I become increasingly confident that they will be able to figure it out, and, and college football in general will be able to figure it out, and we'll we'll have you know a somewhat complete college football season. Uh, you alluded to the fact that there were some crazy upsets, um, some interesting viewing experiences, uh, a couple of close calls. And we're going to talk about all that sort of in the context of how it frames, I guess, what we think of Ohio State. Uh, we will talk about Justin Fields and his vegan diet, Ari and I being the health-conscious people that we are. Uh, I think we'll uh, explore the finer points of, of a vegan diet and what it might mean for Justin Fields. And then at the end of the show, we'll do our next position uh, review or position preview for the running backs. Uh, please send in more five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out a ton. Shout out to our main man, uh, RJR in the 614, who left us a five-star review that says big fargo guys and was uh pleased that ari made the suggestion to watch fargo now ari's on the hook to give every one of our listeners a solid television uh recommendation every single week so good luck with that so i do it now i mean yeah i'm watching that's called that's in the biz we call that like we, that's called me putting it on a tee for you okay okay so i swung and missed the first time then um i don't usually watch network television because i like the uh adult nature of like a show like Fargo and curse words and selling drugs <laughs> yeah, and all the stuff you. that comes with it. You like the, you like the adult nature of it. <laughs> yeah. But I'm watching this show called for life right now. And I think it's on ABC and it's about a guy who was sent to prison for life for being a drug. Ke- you talked about this last week. We did. Yeah, you did. You gotta, I think you need to keep notes. Like you, can you like, like put a post it on your uh, laptop that says, I talked about this this week so that I don't describe the same show again next week. I did that on the last week's podcast. <laughs> Yes. Okay, then just do Fargo season two. <laughs> I don't think you recommended it, but you described the show last week for sure. Okay. Well, I think that that people should know that it's good. I'm not. I'm almost done, but it's it's a solid show. And you know what? You said one recommendation a week, guy. So I gave you a recommendation a week. Like I just did what you asked. You didn't say don't repeat anything you've ever said on this podcast before. You said give me a recommendation. I did that. Shows of an adult nature. I'll watch for life. I'll check it out. Yeah, you should. You want to talk about college football? I think you should watch Fargo first, but yeah. I do want to watch Fargo. I was I was contemplating, because I know it's like a, what do they call it, like an anthology series where like not every season is connected to the other. I thought about watching it. I'm going to debut on Sunday, but then I thought, you know what, I'm going to start from the beginning. There's loose connections um, in each season, but they're all their individual stories, and I would not suggest starting with season four. Start with season one. Okay, I'll do that. I'll ruin where we convene next week. And, uh, if you we'll start it at any point on Monday or Tuesday, you'll be done by the time we talk next week. I guarantee it. I know. That's why I'm scared because I have work to do this week. Okay. It's the best show ever made. <laughs> it's the best season of television ever made. The only one that can compete with it is the final season of Breaking Bad. That's high praise. All right. Let's talk about college football. Ohio State is back in the AP poll, which is not surprising because we knew that the Big Ten teams are going to be put back into the poll this week. Ohio State checks in at number six, and basically what happened is – some voters didn't put Ohio State in at all or didn't put any Big Ten teams in at all, which is strange because they have no problem voting for them in the preseason when no one's played a game, but now they can't do it. Uh, the top five is basically everyone we thought was good that hasn't lost yet, and then Ohio State is number six, which I guess makes sense. Beyond that, number three, Oklahoma gets upset, loses to Kansas State for the second year in a row. Georgia looks awful, but is still ranked number four. At least their offense looks awful, but it's still ranked number four. Number six, LSU defending national champions, loses Mississippi State. 
It was a wild weekend. Um, I think maybe not unexpected because of the weird buildup to this season. But when we see these names, I guess these marquee names, kind of going down in the fashion they did, Ari, some other teams not looking so great. I think you throw Texas in that mix, too, almost losing to Texas Tech, giving up almost 56 points, I think it was. Does it make you think any differently about Ohio State, how tricky this season might get, its susceptibility to an upset, or maybe on the flip side of that, like the path to the playoff perhaps being easier when you see some of these other teams stumble early? You made me look at the AP poll for the first time in three years, and I hate you for that. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't mean to like not answer your question. We'll get to that, but like Auburn looked awesome. If you're not going to rank teams that haven't played yet like Ohio State should be behind all of the good ones or in front of all of them like, I don't understand it's weird I don't Miami, know what I would have done Miami has definitely yeah. earned the the better ranking than Ohio State if that's how we're doing this but if it, it's either one or the other and right here it's kind of both it's like do you people think that Ohio State's worse than Notre Dame who's number five uh okay we're not doing no. this I'm sorry I just like it, it just drives me crazy because there's no thought process whatsoever into how people vote in this thing well, the problem is that there's fractured thought processes. Like the fact that some people can decide to vote for teams that aren't playing and others decided not to vote for teams that aren't playing, like basically negates the entire thing. But, you know, in like two months, it won't matter. Yeah. Um, so that's a good question. Like I was watching all the other games and like I was super excited to watch Georgia because I wanted to see Dwan Mathis play. Um, and like I'm obsessed with the idea of how much. Justin Fields transfer could have like changed in terms of the quarterback carousel um, in the sport. And I was really hoping that Dwan Mathis would be like really good. Cause I thought that that would be like an interesting dynamic of like Georgia gets ridiculed all the time for letting Justin Fields go. Their offense couldn't get a first down um, on Saturday in their first game against an overmatched Arkansas team or what people thought was overmatched. Um, and then Justin Fields was on the team. They'd be like the national championship favorite. So I thought, well, the trick. I think Justin Fields was trending for a little bit. Yeah, I think that that was probably like the easiest leap to make. And like I thought, well, if Ohio State gets Justin Fields and goes to the playoff like we expect this year as a result of having him, then at least like the consolation prize, like in one of those like trades that Major League Baseball teams make, like eight years later, the player to be named later turns out to be like an all-star. I thought maybe Dwan Mathis will be good. And I'm not, like, punting on the idea that he will turn out to be a really good quarterback. That's still a chance. But, like, he got pulled in the first half, and I'm not sure I love the idea of it. And then Georgia got rolling in the second half, so maybe I'm wrong. But count me skeptical that they wouldn't have done it either way. Um, but it made me think, like, did Georgia look bad because they lost their quarterback and their offense is discombobulated and JT wasn't ready to play and um, – of course, Newman opted out. Like, did um, did Texas almost lose because they don't play defense in the Big 12? Did Oklahoma lose because, again, they don't play defense in the Big 12? And, like, some of the teams that, like, ended up losing, like LSU, did they just lose because they lost their entire team? Or, like, is it uh, all a product of the pandemic and, like, everything that happened without spring football and all the things? There's a lot of special teams errors in these games, which Chris Vanini um, wrote about last week in terms of, like, that would be – a major thing to not have without spring football. And I'm trying to like put my thumb on it. Like, do we think that that was the craziest week of college football because people are sloppy or is it just a reorganizing of 
the thoughts that we had about these teams coming into the year and it's just being wrong either way. And I, that's the thing that I'm curious about. Because I look at Ohio State's schedule and I see Penn State week two, and I wonder, like, if Ohio State is going to fall victim to the same type of thing that some of these other top five, top ten teams did in losing this weekend, like, sh- or should we be thinking about the Penn State game differently right now? And maybe we shouldn't because that's a week two game instead of their opener like some of the other ones. But, like, Oklahoma was playing in week two. So, like, I... I, it kind of like made me think, is it too much pressure to put on Ohio State to consider them one of the best teams in program history during a weird year with no spring football um, at a time which games are being canceled and things are all over the place? Ohio State's in an interesting spot because I don't I, I'm sort of on the same track with you like with the Penn State game and, and what that might reveal about Ohio State, but Ohio State gets to open with Nebraska, and I think Nebraska in some ways and I think I felt this before, might be kind of the perfect opening opponent because I, I, I just don't think Nebraska is good enough to beat Ohio State, but I think they're good enough to show Ohio State's warts before they would go play Penn State the following week. And and maybe if you're Ohio State that's position, you're, you're not all upset, upset about being. And obviously you want to come out and play really well in your opener, but if a team is actually willing to push you in the first game, like Oklahoma was playing its second game, but its first game was against Missouri State. Like they had no idea what they had before Oklahoma stepped on the field against another Power 5 opponent um, in Kansas State. Um, and Kansas State beat them last year, too, so I, I, I don't know. Maybe the, there's something going on in Manhattan, Kansas, that has the uh, super complicated Alex Grinch defense all figured you out. You couldn't beat Arkansas State in Week 1. Yeah, well, that's what's, that's another thing that's like tricky in all this, is that the Big 12 came off this weekend where they had all these upsets and also had those games where they lost the Sunbelt Conferences. Like, the Big 12 as a as a collection of teams is not in a particularly good place right now i don't think i don't think it's eliminated from the playoff conversation because oklahoma lost kansas state last year and still with the playoff but it's an interesting spot to be in and like it has a, a million things bouncing around in my head as it pertains to ohio state it's like if you were worried about ohio state playing fewer games compared to the other power five leagues and what that might do to inhibit its ability to get to the playoff like does the idea that the big 12 looks like a mess right now or the fact that Georgia, who was thought to be a contender in the East, kind of looks like what it's been, which is a really good defensive team with an offense that maybe not is good, might not be good enough to, to make any noise and get to the college football playoff. Like, do you feel any better about Ohio State's path to the playoff because of that? Because the, the contenders that you would stack up against it didn't look like it in the first week of a weird season or second week of a weird season, whatever it was, depending on the team. Um, and I would feel pretty good. Like, I, I don't. I felt good about their ability to make the playoff in the first place. Like I, I don't know if I feel any differently, but if I were hesitant on a, the idea of like playing nine games and still getting the playoff, I would feel slightly better about that right now. Yeah, it just like in your head, what is Ohio State? Is Ohio State ninety percent of what they were last year, or are they kind of a weird team that needs a few weeks to get going? Because like the Ohio, if it's ninety percent or eighty percent of what they were last year, I think they beat every team that played on Saturday. Clemson didn't play on Saturday. Alabama did. Um, they did not cover the spread. That's not the reason why I think that, but it just, like, nobody looked overly impressive to me in, in the sense of, like, this is a monster team. The only team that's done that is Clemson, and they didn't play. So, like, if Ohio State is what we think they are, I think the more interesting conversation isn't whether they're going to make the playoff. It's whether they're going to win a national title because, <laughs> like, I'm already ready to skip over yeah. that spot. And um, to me, it's just like the the conversation that they're going to have in college football this year is if there's a team from the American that goes undefeated, 
are they going to not put the Big 12 in because of how, how terrible it's been for them? So, like, to me, watching the games and trying to frame it from an Ohio State perspective, I think you come away and come out of that weekend feeling even better about Ohio State's walk to the playoff. And I think you feel even better about Ohio State's chance of winning a national championship because I think Alabama has some things they need to iron out and Clemson still looks like Clemson, but, like, that's what you expect in a normal year. And, like, who knows? Maybe Ohio State will get bitten um, on the way, but it probably won't. But maybe Clemson will or maybe Alabama will. In such a weird year, like, I think Ohio State's path seems to be the most manageable because their their schedule is, um, frankly, easier than Alabama's. And Clemson also has a, a manageable schedule, but, like, what team has an easier path? I bet you if you went and looked at the odds right now, Ohio State would be the favorite to win the national championship. Just based on path alone. Based, on, yeah. No, I think I think that's right. And we talked about that I think last week <clears throat> when we first saw this new schedule. God, it's it's notes. a, it's a no. It's okay. That that one's okay. <laughs> that one's okay. I think people are more okay with you repeating yourself about Ohio State than you are describing a random TV show again. Um, <laughs> the path, yeah, the path is is is. It has to be the easy of all of all the contenders. It has to be these. They're playing fewer games. I don't think. You know, they got lucky with their West draws. I think they don't have to play Wisconsin. They don't have to play Minnesota. So it's certainly there for the taking. I just don't know if, if like, the idea of Georgia with a new offensive coordinator didn't look great on offense, like, didn't have stuff figured out in its first game. Um, Texas with a new defensive coordinator, Chris Ash, did not look good defensively. Like, does it give you any pause about what Ohio State's defense might have to work through with Kerry Combs as a new coordinator? Or is the fact that their identity was sort of in place from last year, even though the coordinator's changing, make you feel a little better about I that? I think that the fact that the um, coordinator used to play at Ohio State or used to coach at Ohio State makes me feel better about the transition. Um, but, like, the thing that, like, just kind of keeps getting at me, and I don't know what it is, but Georgia just doesn't make any sense to me, Bill. Because, like, this is, like, a pretty good comparison, in my opinion. Like, aside from the fact that they don't have a quarterback, which is a pretty big difference. But Georgia is one of the most talented teams in college football. I think the most talented team in college football in the rank. And they don't, they still should be able to throw their weight around um, against teams that they're overmatching. And the fact that they didn't makes me wonder, like, is that going to be enough or do you have to be sound to win um, and win handily over and over again? So the question is, do you think Ohio State is going to be sound? And if they aren't do you still think that their talent enough is enough to go through the big 10 without about slipping in this odd year because it's like it's been two years since since uh purdue and it's been three since iowa and like you know it, in my mind those games are always the exception not the rule and i never take into account that they could happen again until they do but like is this a year that something like that could actually happen to ohio state or do you think that there's just too much talent because that's why I brought up Georgia. Like you would think there's just too much talent. I would lay the points every week if I were betting on Georgia against Arkansas and they couldn't even get a first down. They couldn't run it. And it's like, I know their quarterback was new and there's a freshman, but between all the talented players they have on both sides of the ball and the options, they had a quarterback. I cannot explain how that happened in the first half. Now they ended up covering the initial spread and they got it going. So that stuff happened. Slow halves happened. But like the question is, is do you think Ohio state is more susceptible to being upset? as a result of the weird year. No, no, I don't think so. And Georgia is number one in the 247 talent composite, by the way. Bama's two, Ohio State's three. Uh, I don't feel that way about Ohio State only because we know what they did last year worked. And and 
I'm not even expecting Curry Combs to come in and like revamp everything. I don't, and especially now with the way the the off, the off season went. Um, so I expect Ohio State to come out defensively and look largely what it looked like last year. And we know that worked. And they have personnel losses for sure that you can't ignore. Um, Chase Young, Akuda, Damon Arnett, those guys. Um, but the system itself is effective. So even if Kerry Combs like went nuts and came out against Nebraska and said, like, look at this crazy new defense we're trying and like it didn't work, they can revert back to what they did last year. I think places like Georgia were trying to pretty substantially revamp what they were doing offensively and become more explosive and maybe even like modernize a little bit if that's if that's a fair term to use. Um, and even like you look at Texas's defense, like what they've been doing is not what Chris Ash has, Chris Ash has done historically. So there's like conflicting styles and personnel there that I just don't think exists with Ohio State's defense. So no, I'm not I'm not nervous about that. I think it could be a little clunky because of the personnel changes, but um, if it is, it, to me, it's like something they can iron out fairly quickly. Um, because they showed an ability to do that last year. Now, Kerry Combs has never been in a position to call a defense as a coach, at least not since he was at – where was he at? Uh, what was the high school he was at? Coleraine, Cincinnati. Down in Cincinnati. Coleraine. Coleraine, yeah. Um, he hasn't been a coordinator since then. He hasn't been a guy like running a, a team or a side of the ball since then, and that was you know, talking about 20 years ago. Um, but he's smart, and he's been around a, a lot of really good coaches. He knows a lot of football. I, I have faith in him to figure it out um, – even if it's a new spot for him. So I think they'll be okay. Uh, he'll get tested because like Scott Frost is a good offensive coach no matter what you think of his personnel. And, and obviously Penn State has pieces too. But um, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't think they're going to be susceptible in the same kind of way we saw some of the other teams be susceptible this week. At the very least, though, the Penn State game kind of feels like a one-game season almost. I'm not saying that Michigan's not going to give them a tough game and you know some of the, the, the hurdles they have on the way maybe might be interesting. But like it's like to me it feels like find a way to get through Penn State on the road. Then you have a month to regroup and get your team ready to go by the time the, the big games come. It's just like that landmine there, and that, that's what's coming early. And in this season where you're having a new defensive coordinator, and I agree with everything you said about Kerry Combs, but new defensive coordinator, new personnel, and key defensive back roles playing Nebraska, who supposedly uh, should have a pretty good offense and could ex- expose some warts. You know, you have a few weird turnovers. I still think Ohio State's going to beat them by 50 because they do every year and we try to hype this game up like it's not. But, like, <laughs> in this year, I just, like, am really curious to see, like, how sharp they look um, immediately. But more more so than that, just trying to get the 2-0, and I think, is a, is a huge hurdle for this team. And once they clear that hurdle, I think they basically walk into the playoff. Yeah, I think Greg Madison's presence makes me feel a little better about it too because while Halfley like got all the shine last year, um, and it was probably deserved because I think Halfley was calling it for the most part, I think Madison's like a crucial piece in game planning to get them to Saturday and is obviously someone that Jeff Halfley could have leaned on too given his experience. Like Kerry Combs was older. He's in a different place in his career than Jeff Halfley was, and, and it's, not, like, you know, it's not a 70-year-old coach mentoring a guy who's in his 30s. Kerry and, and Greg are more contemporaries, even though Kerry is still quite younger. Um, but having that added benefit, and also the fact that Kerry is the only one that's new. Al Washington's back. Um, Matt Barnes is back. Larry Johnson's been here forever. Like All these guys are pretty well-versed in what they want to do off defensively and can help Kerry Combs out. So I don't expect it to be like a flawless execution, but I also I just think there's too many pillars in place for them to completely fall flat on their face when they get out there for the first game. Yeah, I mean, if, if the idea is, um, is Kerry Combs' arrival at Ohio State going to be the reason why they are susceptible to losing? I'm, you know, like, I don't think either of us would ever think that. So, right, like, it's right. like, I think that him coming here is the saving grace that 
made it so that it's not a weird transition. So, like, I, I, I would be very comfortable with where Ohio State is. And, like, I don't know, um, you know, seeing, like, the LSU game and the Georgia game kind of put in perspective um, how more talented teams potentially could lose. But, you know, if you break down each individual game, they all have their own reasons, Bill. Like, Georgia, as you mentioned, new offense, new quarterback. Um, LSU was playing without their offensive coordinator and maybe the best quarterback in, in college football history. And they were playing against a team that has a amazing head coach who has the most talented team he's ever coached, you know, in their first game since winning a national title. And Oklahoma's defense just sucks. Uh, so, like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like, other than that, if it's just like analysis by uh, paralysis is that the right way to say that flip it paralysis, paralysis by analysis. analysis um by overthinking it and just like saying corona is the excuse for everything um so like to me i feel like there's a lot of headway in terms of like the path being cleared and i don't know if the committee after um you know the inherent biases that are on the committee's mind even though they're not supposed to think about last year after what happened to oklahoma in the first round of the um playoff last year is going to do this eye test bullshit again because like everybody saw it and i mean here's the thing i don't understand bill not to go on an unrelated tangent but these guys are so open it's like coverage breakdowns how does it happen four times a drive how do how do these people even physically get that open it's not even close four verts is hard to cover man what i said four verts is hard to cover isn't that like the easiest thing to cover (laughs) <laughs> I don't think it's. I don't know what the easiest thing to cover yeah, is. But I mean, you know what you, you know what's coming, and you can't stop it. That's a problem. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like it's one thing to give up points, but it's another thing where the other team's just playing catch out there, and it's like I'm watching this. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? I mean, these these guys are catching passes with five yard five yards all the way around them. That's life in the it's Big not Twelve, baby. To be that easy. And what I mean, it was happening in the Texas game too. It's just like, so what What team in the Big 12 is going to be in the playoff? And the other thing, too, is that I would much rather see Alabama play UCF or Memphis than, than Oklahoma again. Yeah, or like I'd rather see another SEC team in there or get Notre Dame in there <clears throat> or something. I don't need to watch. We, we know what the Big 12 does when it gets to the playoff. <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah, need to see and it it's again. Not fair. <laughs> it's not fair to the Big 12 to be like, you guys sucked in the past. Uh, you can't go in anymore because every team is different. And Ohio State had the worst defense in the history of its program the year before last. And, like, if people would have said your defense sucks last year, um, even though they did show it, it wasn't the same thing. You know, past biases don't um, shouldn't pre- prevent you from making the playoff, but what they do is um, stop you from having the benefit of the doubt. And I don't think Oklahoma has the benefit of the doubt anymore. And if it's a one-on-one conversation between them and an undefeated team that earned it or – them in Notre Dame, who's a, who has one loss or something, I, I go with another team that has a chance to potentially do something different because the annual tradition of top seed in the SEC blowing out Oklahoma in the first round of the of the playoff is just one that I want to move past. And it's just funny to me because like even going back uh, two years to when Ohio State was being compared directly to Oklahoma and they didn't get in, Ohio State didn't deserve to get into the playoff that year. Um but they had very similarly bad defenses, like statistically, if you remember. And, like, Ohio State didn't pass the eye test for whatever reason that year, and Oklahoma did. And it's just like, I think Ohio State might have been a better candidate to go take a month and try to get ready for the playoff than Oklahoma turned out to be. So, um, yeah, ran over. But, like, I, I think that, like, watching these upsets, it's very easy to kind of fall into the trap of, like, what 
what's going on here? Like, is this weird no spring football situation going to be the reason why really good teams unravel early in the year and then potentially change um, the the paradigm of the national championship? Or is it just like all three of those upsets are very reasonable when you start thinking about it? And I think it's more of the second thing than it is the first thing. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, I have one more question for you, and then we'll move on to Justin Fields and his vegan diet. We've seen some upsets in the SEC, some upsets in the Big 12, in like their first weeks of sort of conference competition, or where it really ramped up. So I'm going to give you four games in the Big 10 that are going to happen in the first weekend, and you tell me which one is most likely to end in an upset. Nebraska at Ohio State, Penn State at Indiana, Illinois at Wisconsin, Michigan at Minnesota. Is Michigan and Minnesota like even a, a major upset? Michigan's ranked and Minnesota's not. I bet you that spread's going to be less than two scores. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, I know which one you think. I want to pick it so badly, but I just don't know if I can. <laughs> but, I, yeah, I, I'm very curious to see what the line might be for Penn State, Indiana. Yeah. It's a shame we're three weeks out. I'd go pull it up for you. But I yeah. think the uh, it's either the Minnesota or Indiana. Illinois beat Wisconsin last year on uh, in a very fluky game, and I think that's much more likely to be like fifty to nothing Wisconsin because they're pissed off than it is for Illinois to pull off the upset in that game. Um, yeah, I think it's probably Michigan and Minnesota two road game, new quarterback for Michigan. Um, I think Ohio State at Nebraska or Nebraska at Ohio State is probably the least likely of those four. But I do kind of want to get spicy and say Indiana beats Penn State in the first week. How about this? You wager a hundred dollars out of your bank account on Indiana money line four to one at the at the beginning of the year and just let it ride. <laughs> Come out of the gate swinging. These, this guy's been pumping Indiana dark horse, uh, <laughs> no, dark horse to finish fourth in the no third in the Big Ten East. Third, yeah, behind Ohio State and Penn State. After beating Penn State. Well, this was before this was before we got this new schedule. I know. Do you want to make a new new projection? That Indiana's going to finish second in the Big Ten East? No, yeah. their schedule their schedule's kind of brutal. There's their 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 prospects changed a bit when this new schedule came out. Because I was ready to embrace the idea of like six Windiana or maybe even seven Windiana. Um but now I don't think I think it's gonna be more like four Windiana based on the schedule they got. Um How many times can you say Windiana on this podcast before we move on? I'll say it as many times as I want because I love it. I'm gonna put Penn State on upset on upset notice. You know, you don't just go into an empty Memorial Stadium in Bloomington, Indiana, and and think you're gonna come out with a win against Tom Allen and them boys. Yeah, I mean, the good news is that Indiana's used to that, so right, (laughs) they're in their natural environment. All right, I'm gonna say there's a possibility that there's some fans that might be in the game by then. First weekend of se- first weekend of the season, October twenty fourth. I would not be shocked if they changed it. We've got a month. Yeah, the Big Ten could reverse course after seeing like every other money, stadium. The money, the money that could be had when there's twenty thousand people in the stadium. Yeah. All right, my spicy week one Big Ten take is that Indiana's going to beat Penn State. 
Wow. Tweet it. It's not real till you tweet it. It's on the podcast. We got it down on wax. It's there forever. Yeah. All right. Tell me everything you know about vegan diets. My first thought when I saw that Justin Fields was on a vegan diet, and if you haven't seen that yet, go read Bruce Feldman's story in The Athletic about it. I thought Ohio State's going to lose four games this year. He's going to be now in the rushed. <laughs> but that's you should also, go, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's probably highly offensive to some people. Uh, but just so you know, I know nothing about being a vegan. And um, I think we're going to talk about how it's still possible to get fat on being on a, on a vegan diet. Well, I think maybe first off, we should talk about like if this matters at all. It is interesting. Bruce Feldman, as you mentioned, did have a really good story. Theathletic.com slash 4-6 gets you $1 per month subscription. You can go read that story. And you can also ask us questions for our subscriber mailbag podcast later this week. Bruce talked with Justin about like the impetus of going on this vegan diet. And it was basically his family did like a 28-day cleanse challenge. And then he kind of stuck with it. Now Ohio State's giving its Heisman Trophy hopeful quarterback uh, personal vegan meals to eat. And he said he feels faster. Um, I don't know if he's any smaller. He says he's leaner and faster. And leaner, I think, might make you a little nervous when you think about Justin Fields getting hit. But faster is interesting. I don't know how much faster you get from switch to when you switch to a vegan diet. But the idea that Justin Fields is faster, does that do anything to change how you think the season might go for him? Is he going to be stronger? I don't know if he's going to be weaker. Yeah, I trust that Justin Fields knows how to eat for his body. Um, I just, whatever he was eating before seemed to be working for him. So I hope that uh, for his sake, that whatever he's doing, it, it makes sense. And you know, Ohio State's got the nutrition team and all the stuff. They're not going to feed their quarterback stuff that they don't think is going to be good for his ability. So if he's faster, that's good. I hope that he's as strong for his sake um, and that he feels good. And like being a vegan, I don't really know the first thing about it. Um, so it's kind of hard to like kind of break that down, but I like there's a, there's plenty of protein and vegetables, Bill. I, I'll tell you that much. Um, and if he's lifting hard and he still feels like fueled, uh, through all of his weightlifting regimens and stuff, then like, I mean, who am I to tell him not to do it? You know? So Pablo Fields, Justin's father, who is, uh, he's not, uh, he's a, he's a big dude. Like he's a pretty, like, well, I've seen him a couple times in person. He's a pretty well put together guy. Says he lost uh, 28 pounds doing this diet that Justin's whole family started doing. And they started it um, right around the time that the quarantine stuff started. So it's been a few months. And 28 pounds in a few months is not crazy, but it's it's nice weight loss for Pablo. How quickly could you put on 28 pounds on a vegan diet? So uh, we have to break down exactly what vegan is. So I can't have meat or cheese or anything that was cooked in Animal as I product. understand, as I understand it, it is any animal byproduct you are not allowed to put in your body. So meat and cheese for sure, and then stuff that's like processed with animal products. Okay, so like I'm typing into my Google right now. Yep, Lay's potato chips are vegan. <laughs> so like, if I'm allowed to have bread, I'm allowed to have corn puffs and potato chips. I'm allowed to have peanut butter, I'm assuming. And like I've been, I don't know. How many? Okay, so there's a grocery store on the West Coast called Sprouts. Landis told me that they don't have them in Ohio, but it's just like a Trader Joe's, but it's like a farmer's market and it's a grocery store. You can get really fat in those places because it's like healthy and it's like hemp seeds and organic juice and, you know, lettuce and kale chips and all the stuff that you would see. But like, there's also 
a bunch of snacks. And like, I feel like with nuts and certain things, if you went the wrong way on it, like we're replacing meat with carbs. So I think I could put on, I think I could put on weight faster than you could lose it. So if it was like a challenge, if me and Pablo Field started at the same weight, I bet you I could find the 28 pounds that he loses before he gets to his destination. Like, that's a challenge. Yeah. So, I I was, uh, I've never done vegan. I've done vegetarian, but I still ate cheese, and that took the whole thing off the rails. Yeah, then what's the point? Yeah, like, Um, what is the point of that? Why did you do that? I did it for Lent. I gave up meat for Lent one year. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was gonna, I was gonna ridicule you, but we're not gonna do that now. It's okay. Um, um, I have also done Whole30, which is like no dairy, um, and it's more sophisticated than that, but there's no dairy in that. It's it's approaching vegan, I guess, but you can eat meat. Um, and that was hard to do because I like my cheese and I like my ice cream. I'm a large man. Um, but I was looking at these what things you can eat on a vegan diet, and it was like, yeah, you can eat bread and pasta. And I was like, I would gain so much weight because <laughs> that's all some, I would eat. <laughs> you want to hear some things that you can eat on the vegan diet? Yeah. Oreos. Yep. Pringles. Yep. Pop tarts. Yep. Doritos. Yep. Fritos. Cool Ranch. F- cool Ranch for Doritos. Fruit by the foot. Ritz really? crackers. Sour Patch Kids. Ruffles. Smarties. Those Nature Valley granola bars that disintegrate in your hands before you take a bite. Lay's. Smucker's Uncrustable sandwiches. Um, gummy bears and gummy worms. Those Thomas bagels. Um, lint truffles, oh, cliff bars, triscuits, Nabasco graham crackers, Snyder's peanut butter filled pretzels and all sorts of different types of pretzels, sun chips, Swedish fish, nutter butter, and those Bavita crunchy breakfast biscuits that taste like heaven. Those are really good. You could go off the rails real fast <laughs> on this diet. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, people who do this are doing it to be healthy, and, like, I love that about them. But, like, if I was only eating vegan stuff, I could, I could make it. You can always make it count. That's the problem with these diets. The Whole30 thing, the vegetarian thing. Like, unless you're in it for the spirit of what it is, then you're off the rails. So yeah. It's like, because, like, if you're, you can have cheese pizza on a, on a vegetarian diet. You like, can. Yeah. And that's like, why, like, smashing- Justin... Justin Fields, yeah, Justin Fields is is plant based, and we don't know exactly what he's eating, but he he's not. I'm going to assume that his mind does not work the same way that your mind and my mind work, where someone suggests to you a diet and you say, "Oh yeah, that sounds great," and then you immediately start googling all the workarounds so you can eat all. Yeah, the food yeah, like. yeah. The first thing that you think about when you get when you are changing your diet in order to be a healthy lifestyle, or what are the things that I'm not allowed, that I'm technically allowed to eat but still shouldn't? Right. It's like it's the same thing on the keto diet, like. You lose a bunch of weight if you completely cut out carbs, but it's just like you can go to Wingstop every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just because there's no – you can have steak every night. And like maybe you would still lose weight in the short term. I don't know if that's necessarily healthier. But I know that like that – like people like make jokes about the the vegan diet. And I think that people were like a little bit worried. I mean I like my first thought was is he going to maintain his strength? You know, but I think that's probably more of a um, – stereotype for people who are uneducated about the proper way to do it than it is the reality of it it's like the the, the yeah. jokes about veganism are uh, my favorite joke about veganism is tell me to show me two people who never shut up people who do crossfit and people who are vegan yeah 
and a lot of times if they're both then you're then you're in trouble but like i didn't take the star quarterback who can throw the ball 80 yards in the air from his knees as being a vegan guy but like he uh he's doing it and feels better yeah cam newton's uh is on the vegan diet and he's uh gigantic so is he on the vegan diet for like the last six months or is he being a vegan for like 10 years i think he's been one for at least a year or two really yeah and he's yeah. playing pretty well right he now. he looks good yeah somebody said something to him about i was reading an article about it and someone mentioned something to him about being a vegan and he said something he's like you can eat good i'm not going outside and grabbing a handful of grass and putting ranch on it <laughs> which is like I mean, he's not eating ranch because ranch isn't vegan. But I thought it was a funny way. Yeah, there is a misperception, I think, with with a lot of the stuff. Uh, I do think it's interesting that as, as we continue to ponder the idea of, like, Justin Fields gearing himself up for what could be a kind of transcendent season at Ohio State, that he's taking it to this extreme. And I don't mean extreme in a bad way. I just mean, like, he's he's not, like, leaving any stone unturned, I think, to try to be the best possible version of himself and what will be his last year as Ohio State's quarterback. And you got to love the idea that he tried something and it worked for him, and then he thought, this is something that I'm going to keep doing. Because, like, he did this long before he even knew there was going to be a season and has stuck with it because that, that must mean that he's taking to it. And it's like, I always think that, like, if you're not eating meat, then where do you get your protein from? Great protein sources on the vegan diet. Beans, chickpeas, lentils peas soybeans um tofu not not fruit by the foot edamame tempeh i don't know what that is oreos no okay that last one's a joke so (laughs) funny thing about me when i was in college i might have said this on the podcast too you tell me if i did because i didn't write it down but um i took a class my sophomore year called nutrition food and you and in this class i was in a fraternity and the fraternity, I don't know if they, this is like something that happens at all colleges or just my fraternity, but they had a test room where all the old tests from courses were in this room. And I don't even know if that's cheating or not, but it was used as a study source. Nutrition, food, and you, after I studied the previous tests, gave the same test. So, like, nice. I knew the answers. And, like, I got a 98% in that class because the only thing that mattered in that class were their test scores. And, like, I had to miss questions on purpose. So it didn't seem fishy. And let me put it that way. I should have actually – that was the one course in college that I wish I would have paid attention. Yeah. Like, that's the one where I could have just breezed through and just, like, read all the test scores and, like, get through it. No problem. But nutrition is a super complex, fascinating discussion. And, like, I love the idea that – you know, the quarterback is doing something new that he, that he, you know, feels good about. And then Ohio State, of course, has the resources to promote that. And I'm assuming he's still getting as much protein as he needs and is eating in a creative way. And if it helps him feel leaner, stronger, faster, everything that this guy can do to make himself even 1% better from the version that we saw last year is an encouraging thing for Ohio State and the reason why I think they're going to win the national title this year. That'd be a hell of an endorsement for a vegan diet of Justin Fields to stand on that podium holding that gold trophy at the end of the year. Yeah, most people do vegan because it's more – Is it, it? do most people become vegan because they um, are trying to make a stand against animal cruelty or is it a health thing? Maybe both. I Probably don't a mix of both. And I think sometimes people <clears throat> um, find that they're allergic to things or their bodies react poorly to – like a traditional diet and go plant-based to, you know, make their life more enjoyable. Yeah. Not as miserable. It would be nice to be able to like 
probably eat like everything that Justin Fields eats. It'd be a really good story idea if you did a weigh-in of what your current weight is right now, and then you had Ohio State um, give you every meal that he eats, and then you paid for it, of course, because they can't give you anything. That would be unethical. But then you wrote a story about how your body changed eating the way Justin Fields eats. I want to do that. I need to drop some LBs. Can you like send them out to my way, too? Sure, we'll do it together. Me, you, that'll Justin be, Fields on the vegan diet. I want to feel faster, an, I'll tell you that much. That'll be an ongoing feature on 4 to 6 with A&B. Bill and Ari go vegan for the football season. you got to get the Mickey Marotti shirt off, legs, uh, pants yeah, all the way wrapped around. Do, I won't be doing that. Because <laughs> uh, you know, even like Zeke Elliott put his off. I was like, your before picture looks great. What are we doing here? <laughs> I wish I was the before picture. No, but the before picture from somebody who drops a ton from being vegan would be would make the second one even more powerful than even Zeke's. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I hate you if you're the before picture guy that looks good. Yeah, don't post a before picture unless you're looking like a slob, unless yeah. your stomach's hanging over your if, belt. If belt your line. before picture is my end goal, then I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Wilson, uh, who sort of let the cat out of the bag with Justin Fields' vegan diet last week, said there are other guys on the team who are doing similar things. He didn't say who, but I find it interesting. And like you said, Ohio State can do whatever these guys need them to do from a nutritional standpoint. So it's not like I, I didn't I didn't hear that and go like, oh man, that's going to be bad for Justin Fields. But I did think it was interesting. Um, and I'm curious to see like if the idea of faster, stronger, leaner Justin Fields like is able is like perceptible as we're watching a game. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. All right. Uh, speaking of Justin Fields, last week we did our first position preview for the 2020 season. We talked about the quarterbacks. This week we're going to move to the other spot in the backfield, running backs. Another interesting nugget from Kevin Wilson last week was the idea that they're going into the contact part of camp, which, by the way, starts this week. We're recording this on Monday, uh, September 28th. Wednesday the 30th is the first day that Ohio State anticipates being in pads, which is like kind of a milestone as we get closer to the season. Um for the moment, the plan seems to be 50-50 split first-team running back reps between Trey Sermon and Master Teague, which is revealing, I think, of Master Teague's physical condition. If Kevin Wilson's saying that, then I think that means like the Master Teague, if he's not all the way back, he's pretty much there, and by the time the season comes around, he should be all the way back. The other thing that was revealed was that Marcus Crowley is not quite back from his ACL, and whether that means he's not going to be available for the opener, I'm not sure. We're still a few weeks away from that, but at the moment... The starting tandem at running back is Trey Sermon and Master Teague with Steel Chambers backing them up is like the second team guy. Mayan Williams, a true freshman, speaking of guys who changed their body, um, is, is also there in the mix too. And he looked really good when he came in to uh, the program back in June. 50-50 split at the start of practice when they get in now. Do you think they'll come out the other end with the same kind of idea? Yeah, 60-40, 50-50, 70-30. I don't know. It's all the same to me. Pizza is pizza. No, it's not. Unless, Did you just compare little, Master Teague to Little Caesars? Unless it's Little Caesars. No, I would never do that. I know. Can't be doing that. Yeah, that would be an insult. They've been in this position before. 2018, it was like a 60-40 split with J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber. Or Yeah, that was the year where Weber was healthy for, for the majority of the year. Dobbins was coming off his awesome freshman season. That did not go particularly well. They ranked number six, 76 in the country in yards per carry the year before that was a similar split a little more in dobbins favor they were number eight in the country in yards per carry they also had jt barrett in the backfield which i think is is a important piece of the equation when you think about what that rushing attack looked like in 2017 but i do think when people 
think about the idea of like running back tandem, running back by committee, however you want to couch this. Um, I think Ohio State fans get a little nervous about what happened in 2018 when they were not a very effective running team and it showed up in games like when they lost to Purdue and couldn't score in the red zone. I think five trips with no touchdowns in that game. Does tandem make you nervous or does this feel different to you than Dobbins and Weber? It feels different to me, but it doesn't make me nervous. Can they be both? Sure. I think that um, Dobbins and Weber was um, a necessity because they were both really good. Um, and I think they could have gotten away with going with either of them and, and it would have been fine. But it was kind of a way to um, get both those guys on, this, on the field because you wanted both those guys on the field. This year it kind of seems like they're using two to find their answer. Is that does that make sense to you? And and if they're using two to find their answer, then I guess maybe that is kind of closer to the concerning area than you want to be. Um, but having multiple options to kind of work through that, I think, is a good thing. And I think they're more than the talented enough to like get to the playoff. It's just a matter of will they have the right guy in place who can fight and get extra yards or break away and, and take it to the house the way J.K. Dobbins did last year in the playoff? Record it, frame it, put it on your wall. I said it. Um, but seriously, it, it really matters. And, you know, I, I think that, like, every team has susceptibilities in some, some places where they're they're not quite sure of themselves, especially in the beginning of the year. But in order to win it all, which is how we're constantly framing this football team, it, everything has to be good. Because as you found out last year, J.K. Dobbins is one of the best running backs in college football. And if he would have had a 5% better game against Clemson, maybe they would have won a national championship. Maybe they would have been playing LSU. You know, and that's not putting it on his on his shoulders, but that's the reality of it. I mean, you need every ounce of 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 production that you can get from these guys at every turn. And you know, it's am I talking myself into being concerned here? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. know. Like, sounds I, like I, a little bit. <laughs> I'm not concerned about anything on Ohio State's roster as it pertains to the regular season and winning the Big Ten. I am concerned, however, um, if if their running back tandem is what they, what I think they are now in January when they're playing Clemson, then I'm concerned. I think that makes sense. But they, and I think that's but they a, also a could grow, wave. Bill. I mean, like they could be. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. Um, my, my level of concern is, is fairly low as I don't think 2018 was a byproduct of a few things. One, the offensive line, I don't think was particularly good that year Two, They didn't have a quarterback run threat. And three, J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber have sort of had, by that point, sort of taken turns being the man. And I think once you're the man, it's hard to find yourself or accept a position where you're no longer the man, which is why part of the reason why I think J.K. was so good last year because there was no doubt that he was number one tailback. I think he struggled with that, and he admitted that in 2018. And I think Mike Weber probably did the same is after he was a 1,000-yard rusher in 2016 and then was kind of forced into a tandem or even, you could argue, a backup role uh, in the two years after that. That's not really a play here because Master Teague saw his first action last year and he was a backup. And like Trey Sermon, for as good as he is and um, as productive as he was at Oklahoma, was never like the man there. They always sort of had a balanced rushing attack with multiple players. They had some really high volume rushing quarterbacks, particularly the year Kyler Murray was there. So like neither one of these, I'm sure these guys would love to be a bell cow kind of back, but they've never been one. So I think maybe it's easier to wrap your mind around the idea of accepting a dual role and maybe that puts them in position to flourish and some guy, one of them sort of rises to the top and becomes more of a lead back. But I just don't, I think there's a mentality thing here at play or that was at play in 2018 that won't be at play with Trey Sermon and Master Teague going into this year. I'm a little worried about the depth of the position because 
all these guys have had significant injuries. Trey Sermon and Marcus Crowley have had knee injuries. Mark or Master Teague had an Achilles injury. And beyond that, you have like Steel Chambers, who they're talking uh, pretty fondly about. We just haven't seen much of. And then like a freshman in Mayan Williams. And then if you're forced to, you got to get like creative with Demario McCall. And uh, that's a little precarious given the injury history, but it doesn't do so much to to like lower my confidence level in the position. So let's do this. We didn't do this last week, and I meant to. So let's knock out quarterback real quick. Rate your comfort level with the quarterback position group on a scale of 1 to 10. 10. I'm at a 10 for quarterback. More interesting, rate your comfort level of the running back group on a scale of 1 to 10. 7. Yeah, I'm at like a a 6.5. Which I think is okay. 6.5, 7 I think is is fair. Where would you put in the – what rating, uh, numeric rating would you make uh, nervous or, or worried about? Anything lower than six. Anything lower than five is like red alert worry. Five is whatever. And I think, but anything lower than six is like, oh, I don't It'd know. It'd be fun to go around out. the Big Ten and rank everybody else's position groups. I don't know enough about them. You know who's a 10, though, is Indiana. Yeah. I mean, book it. I would feel, I think I'd feel a little, I'd, I'd be a little lower on this. I might be like in the fives on this. If. I thought that the offense was going to be a vehicle for the tailback in the same way it was last year. I think this year tailback becomes complementary to the Justin Field show. Last year wasn't the Justin Field show, even though he was a Heisman Trophy finalist to put up crazy numbers. It was let's put Justin Fields in comfortable positions and really rely on the running game. I think this is the opposite this year. Run the ball well enough to have people to have teams respect that you don't lose that part of your game because the physicality matters. But this is like let Justin Fields cook time. In my mind, that's what we wanted. I mean, that was the whole crux of the entire uh, discussion about Justin Fields last week. So you should have written that down. And uh, you know, that's what I'm hoping. If it's a Justin Fields show, <laughs> I feel like Ohio State is in position to win the national championship. I, w- I want the Justin Fields show. Everybody who watches Ohio State wants a Justin Fields show. Trey Sermon should be a compliment. He shouldn't be the offense. They've got the best player in college football on their team. Maybe that's the way it should yeah. be. That's the way it's even if. Can I say this? If J.K. Dobbins was back on the team, it should still be the Justin Fields show. Yeah, it would flip. I think it would flip. It'd be more of a balance. I do. I do it think it would be a balance. J.K. was. It'd really be good. more of a balance. Yeah, but but I still agree with you. It would flip. It would flip. Yeah. Um. So it's an interesting position. I don't think the. Uh, I might. I'm going to dig into this some later on, before the season, but later on, sort of in the preseason, like how the running game might change if at all with like the new personnel i i don't think it'll be a ton but i think there's some interesting things there i asked kevin wilson last week i said uh so like kevin when you bring a guy like trey into the program do you uh do you look at some of the things he did well at his previous school and and maybe try to incorporate some of those things or you sort of just fold him into what you guys have done well historically and he started answering the question and he just stopped and he goes wait are you just asking me if we're going to run oklahoma's counterplay and i was like yes (laughs) (laughs) you're you're such an x's and o's genius bill I'm not. I feel like you're belittling me when you say that. Um, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I don't claim you to know. be an Nexus and O's genius, but I do like the intricacies of the game, and I love that play. Speaking of Bruce Feldman, he wrote a really good story about that play last year um, that I'll be linking in the story that I read about Ohio State's run game in a few weeks. Yeah, you got to know that Kevin Wilson's going to be all up to speed on Oklahoma's stuff. I think he pays attention to them still. He said that. He said we watch Oklahoma all the time, which I also thought was interesting and probably yeah. worth digging into a little bit uh, kind of separately from that. That's what I'm um, working on this week, John, if you're wondering. 
Yeah, Ari's writing about uh, I'm writing Lincoln, about the Lincoln, Lincoln Riley spread and the marriage of of the air raid and the uh, Kevin yeah. Wilson run game and yeah, how Ryan Dakin, yeah, and the yeah. GT counter. And Bill's and, writing uh, a story about why Oklahoma can't get defensive commits in the yes. recruiting class. I'm yeah, I'm writing about how Penn State can't recruit Philadelphia. <laughs> we're flipping, we're, we're flipping the script this week. Um, uh, well, do you want to tease what you're actually writing? Yes, I will. Uh, every Wednesday moving forward, and I hesitate to promise these things, but we're getting close to the season, so I will fall into a bit of a rhythm. I'm going to have like a film room kind of piece, film study uh, slash feature kind of deal. And after talking with Kevin Wilson and the tight ends on Friday, I'm going to write a little bit about Ohio State's use of 12 personnel, two tight ends last year, and how it increased last year the frequency with which they did it how they used it and how it might grow coming into this year sort of balancing with the idea that they have these really dynamic young receivers coming up and trying to dig in a little bit on how kevin wilson and ryan day will manage all of that while taking the offense forward in a positive direction so i don't know if that sounds uh, interesting to anybody listening but i'm very excited to do it you'll have to let everybody know next week what the numbers were like Forty thousand people read the story how many signed up? Zero. Yeah, that's about <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, we'll wrap up there. Uh, thank you guys uh, so much again for listening to 4 to 6 with A&B. We'll ask you one more time, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. That helps us out greatly. Theathletic.com slash 4-6 still gets you $1 per month. And you can sign up there and ask us questions for the subscriber mailbag episode that we record later in the week. We were inside of a month until Ohio State plays its first football game of the 2020 season. I think I speak for Ari when I say we are very excited to start watching some Ohio State football. Super excited. Can't wait. Super excited. We'll talk to you guys later in a week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.